0: Hello and welcome to New Books in Psychoanalysis, a podcast of the New Books Network. My name is Sebastian Trul, your host, and today I'm talking to Professor Siri Erika Gülesta about her book The Theory and Practice of Psychoanalytic Therapy, Listening for the Subtext, which was published by Rutledge in 2020. The book was co-authored with Professor Björn Chilimo, who sadly passed away one year ago at the age of 92. It is a great honor and a great privilege that Professor Gülestar has decided to follow the invitation to the program. She is Professor Emeritus of Clinical Psychology at the University of Oslo, Norway, as was Professor hilimo and she directed the Department of Psychology and the Clinic for Psychoanalytic Psychotherapy there. She is a training and supervising analyst of the IPA, and former president of the Norwegian Psychoanalytic Association. In 2019, she was awarded the prestigious Sigourney Award for profoundly impacting the evolution and acceptance of psychoanalysis as a scientific discipline in Norway. Thank you for joining us, Siri, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's uh, really good to have uh, someone here from Norway. I think you're actually the first first Norwegian analyst uh, that we speak with. And I think what would be really interesting um, for the audience and for me personally is to hear a bit about the background of the book, what what motivated uh, the writing of it, and also maybe a bit about the psychoanalytic scene uh in Norway and how how uh, your formation in in in, in Norway um, yeah brought brought about your thinking and the writing of this book.
1: Yes. Um, yes, actually the the, um, the situation at the University of Oslo as concerns psychoanalysis is a quite uh, special one, I would say, because um, uh, the first professor of um, psychology in norway uh, he was uh, appointed a professor in 1928 i think harald skildrup was his name he uh, was uh, a brilliant man with <laughs> several phds doctoral degrees and um, uh, with a degree in philosophy and he changed his uh, professorship to to psychology And his great ambition was to integrate uh, um, psychoanalysis with uh, general psychology, you could say. So he wrote a book uh, in 1928 uh, called Introduction to Psychology, where um, Freud's theory of uh, the defense mechanism, repression, so on, and dreams, and so on, uh, uh, chapters on those psychoanalytic issues was placed together with uh, the learning theories of uh, Pavlov and other uh, sort of academic psychological uh, uh, themes. So, um uh, that uh, so he and he was a psychoanalyst that was the important point mm-hmm. so he was uh, he went uh, in personal analysis in in Germany with which uh, the Norwegian psychoanalyst did at the time and uh, he was the founder of the Norwegian psycholytic society also so this position of being a very respected uh, academic professor and uh, bringing uh, psychoanalysis into the department. Uh, so that has been a tradition ever since, a very controversial one, I would say. There has been mm-hmm. professors mm-hmm. who had uh, thought that um, this psycholytic discipline had nothing to do at the university, but Björn Sielingmo, who, who uh, is my co-author, as you said, uh, he was, um, uh, uh, Sheldrup was his teacher, Uh, And Killingmo was my teacher and my mentor, to say he was 22 years older than me. And uh, so uh, um, Killingmo, uh, sort of, uh, his uh, project at university was to continue this, we call this the Sjeldrup tradition. Uh, Harald Sjeldrup is the name of the house uh, where Mm -hmm. the Department of Psychology is... um, um, uh, is <laughs> and um, uh, and um, he created uh, an internal clinic for dynamic psychotherapy, which uh, Chilingmo, I'll be speaking of him now, and um, mm-hmm. uh, sort of to, to to create a clinical um, uh, clinical training within the psychology. Uh, the, the professional education of psychology which is a six-year in Norway that's also specific I think um, because the, after 2002 uh, universities in Europe um, usually uh, are structured around the bachelor master right um, programs but we succeeded together with medicine to have an exception from that because we argued that Professional psychology is an integrated, uh, where clinical thinking has to be integrated from the first year. So, um, yeah, so um, uh, like medicine and, uh, in Norway. So um, we have succeeded, and <laughs> that has been my, mm-hmm. also my uh, very important thing for me to try to have been fighting all along. (laughs) Mm -hmm, (laughs) uh mm -hmm. (laughs) But uh, we have succeeded in um, maintaining this uh, psychoanalytic, psychodynamic. I mean, it's a broad psychoanalytic in a broad sense, uh, not specifically one theory or something like that, but um, uh, as an integrated part of the training of psychologists at the University of Oslo.
0: Right, right. So, before we get into the specific theoretical background of the book, um, I I would like to hear a bit more about the specificity of psychoanalysis in a university context, because I think that runs like a thread uh, through the whole book. There's a certain sensibility to questions of efficiency, I'd say, efficacy, uh, um, sort of uh, um, being being aim oriented, and uh, I I would imagine that it, this is sometimes a very uneasy position right. for psychoanalysis in in the university and having to argue uh, with or, or to to have a sensibility for those questions, and I think you kind of solve or or kind of solved the issue in the the sense that in the book, you make a differentiation between psychoanalysis as a culture and psychoanalytic therapy as a method Hmm. of treatment. And I think that is a differentiation that, to me, seems born out of this exact position that you're in, right? Psychoanalysis in the academy. Could Hmm. you say a bit more about that?
1: Um. Yes, um, uh, I would say that the, the main um, uh, my main uh, position or main uh, the main thing is to look at um, uh, psychoanalysis as a depth psychological method, uh, mm-hmm. which, uh, in a, in, from the point of view of science, uh, I would say that. Uh, uh, we have a method uh, depth uh, the, the um, uh, therapy room the analytic room is our laboratory if you want <laughs> you could say it like that right uh, where we get access to data if you use that uh, word from the research field um, that um, are different from uh, the data that are accessed by other kind of uh, methods, like experimental methods and so on. So um, uh, uh, psychoanalysis is, and you said psychoanalysis uh, as a treatment, and that is, of course, um, a very important question. But psychoanalysis is also, uh, I mean, it, it covers three issues, doesn't it, The term psychoanalysis it is both a theory of personality development and a theory of development of uh, psychic suffering or psychopathology, if you want, and then also a treatment. And I think the, um, uh, that psychoanalysis as uh, um, a theory of personality uh, is uh, a very important contribution to science. Uh, right, uh, And uh, we have access to how, uh traumas uh, are structured affected our memories uh, this con I mean mechanisms like dissociation and um, uh, repression if you want I mean these uh, we we bring to the <laughs> to the scientific world knowledge about the depths of the human mind to say it like that so that uh, and uh, I feel that uh, in my Uh, position as a professor at university, I have uh, in a way, uh, all the way through uh, been arguing with colleagues from other uh, disciplines uh, people from developmental psychology or memory research or personality theory and so on Uh, so there uh, where uh, I think psychoanalysis needs to be uh, in a dialogue we have to uh, hear what they say but right. uh, and uh, and that's the one hand <laughs> on the one hand and on the other hand we have to um, uh, to assert uh, and bring forward uh, what we specifically um, uh, ha- know about uh, human mind and the unconscious of course the unconscious uh, and uh, what all that implies.
0: Right, I'm, not right. sure
1: have, uh, I'm not sure if I uh, have. am not sure if I have answered your question really.
0: <laughs> no, I think I've, I think your answer perfectly leads us into into my next question because uh, your focus on personality development yeah. is yeah. is something that is very central to the book I think and to the theory and technique you put forward mm. in the book. Uh, and you call that uh, relational oriented character analysis mm. Mm. could you could you ex- explain that that uh, the theory to us uh, that that's condensed in that term relational oriented character analysis
1: yes uh, uh, i appreciate that question because it's uh, it's central in the book as you said uh, uh let's begin by the word character analysis, which is a term from Wilhelm Reich, uh, right. as you know, probably. And, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, um, Wilhelm Reich, uh, uh, he had to flee from Germany during the uh, Nazi um, uh, and between uh, he was invited he was a Jew, he was a psychoanalyst he was a communist there was three reasons I think that he he uh, had to flee from Hitler and right. uh, he was invited by Sheldrup to come to Norway so he um, taught, taught here and lectured and uh, had patience here in Norway um, uh, uh, between the wars uh, and um, and uh, he uh, he was controversial. He became Berserker uh, was didn't agree with him, uh, but he uh, nevertheless he influenced uh, a whole milieu in Norway by his uh, this um, notion of uh, uh, of character analysis. Which, to say it um, uh, shortly, he. Um, If you say that Freud focused on how uh, uh, internal intrapsychic conflicts are expressed in symptoms and in dreams uh, and in paraphrases and so on, um, Reich added to that by saying that uh, conflicts are also expressed in the whole character. Um, right. The, our attitudes, an arrogant attitude, a submissive attitude, and his focus that the, the character has uh, correlate in a way. Uh, it's also expressed in bodily postures. So you can you can read <laughs> the the um, uh, the mind in the body in a way. And this uh, right. this is, has been uh, you know uh, we, uh, um, a Swiss German colleague, uh, Marianne anne which is a close mm-hmm. friend of mine. She uh, has um, uh, this concept of embodied memories, and uh, and um, body and mind <laughs> is very central to to the way she and other thinks uh, and. Um, uh, so it's uh, in a way this uh, Reichen <laughs> focus on, and the, the, the important thing to me it's the concept of form. I mean, you can mm-hmm. say about uh, what was uh, the Roy Schaefer, an American analyst, said that it was not uh, not um, it was how was the story told, the how how is things expressed. That's uh, the the form, the formal, not the content. We are used to listen. When you interpret a dream, it's a content of the symbols, uh, associations, and so on, which is, of course, <laughs> is still uh, very central, but it's also the way in which the person speaks, intonation, gestures, mimics. Uh, yeah, so this is a formal element. So, um, so that's the, the concept of character, which is a global sort of uh, unit of analysis, if you want. Is uh, the 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 the, <laughs> the attitude the right the, uh, of the person sort of uh, condenses his whole being, you could say. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, then um, uh, we say relational oriented character analysis. Uh, is to emphasize that when you think of character, you you, you see one person, uh, which is um, uh, with his uh, intrapsychic dynamic and and the balance and so on, um, an arrogant uh, way of defending yourself in a way, and but it's one person in a way perspective. So we uh, emphasize that this. Um, uh, attitude. This um, uh, also uh, is uh, communication. I mean, it's it's a relational. It's a relational message. Uh, if you come in with an arrogant attitude, to, to use that example, um, it's a really it's a relational message uh, to say it that way uh, right. to the other person. So it's to emphasize um, uh, both. Yeah, yeah, that aspect.
0: So, in the in the book, you actually use the terminology of drama, of dramatization, of uh, like the analyst providing a stage on which um, some of this of the, the characteristical specifics of the analysand or the patient can be um, can be performed in a way, and then to 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 analyze that and the position of the analyst to be an observer at the same time as a participant mm. in the drama right
1: yes Maybe we use the concept of relational scenario which is uh, this uh, right which is a way of course of speaking of transference it's mean it's in that uh, uh, but it's uh, yeah it's uh, we think a useful concept to capture how the yes what good way you say it uh, how how the the patient uh, uh, sort of uh, actualizes uh, his or her um, uh, object relation in inner object relations scenarios, <laughs> actualizes mm-hmm. them in the transference to the analyst. Yes, mm-hmm.
0: uh, I think what is what is really int- like. I think it's very the the form over over content or form and content focus is really important to the book. I think that's a, yeah. a very a very central part of it, and yes, I think it it's also in the title. Listening, listening for the subtext yes. uh, is exactly that, right? The subtext is the form that the narrative is expressed in, yeah. um, and mm-hmm. and I think this this also comes with a certain idea of the analyst how the how the analyst the analyst's attitude has to be in order to to be able to to catch the form so to say or to to become aware of the form and uh, if I may I'd like to uh, quote a short passage uh, from the book in which you describe the analyst because I think it's such a vivid description of your image of the analyst you say um, the analyst is seated in her chair quietly anticipative she's in no hurry there's nothing that has to be achieved she does not charge the situation with her temper On the contrary, she's turned towards the other, listening attentively, present in the contact, though with no traces of intimacy or fervency. She's fairly soft-spoken, yet clear and factual. A benevolent, lightly questioning tone characterizes her voice. No gestures, no jargon, no implicit jokiness, no sideward glances, no hidden implications. She upholds simplicity of words and expressions. I think this image really sums up the position of the analyst in your thinking. And what what jumped out at me in the first reading was with no traces of intimacy or fervency. And I I think that is something that many people will will stumble over why 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 do you think it is important for the analyst to be like it says without traces of intimacy or fervency in in the consulting room
1: yes um it uh, strikes me when you read it in english that um, um uh, the word intimacy uh, i'm uh, not quite sure how it um, the connotations for an english right speaking analyst because um i mean um, uh, uh, what this image of the analyst uh, is also an analyst with uh, warmth I, I that's a word yeah. that's it's important i think uh, so um It's no, uh, but intimacy, uh, as uh, it is meant uh, from our part, is um, uh, to, uh, uh, yeah, Uh, to be, um, um, that's uh, difficult to explain. I... it's uh, no flirtation, no, uh, right. No, right. Uh, w- w- trying to seduce in any way, not to be overly warm, or it's, it's. I think it's our way of um, uh, rendering the the concept of neutrality, which I think right. is, uh, we we um, use that uh, uh, we use uh, the word technical. Neutrality to to um, in the, as one aspect of the analytic attitude. Uh, so, um, uh, but th- maybe that is the discussion you're referring to. Is it sort uh, mm-hmm. of the <laughs> discussion <laughs> with a more relational kind of uh, psychoanalytic um, thinking? Is that?
0: Yeah, I think that's a very important part in the book and a really a really uh, a really good part of the book. Actually, I think that's. Yeah, if you could say more about that, because I like w- when you were just talking about um, the analyst in a way getting too close, being flirtatious, sure. being being so much in the enactment that the observer position gets lost. Yeah, uh, I think I think that is something that also comes in 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 the chapter in which you deal with epistemological yeah. questions. Um, about about co-creation right and about co-construction mm. um and maybe maybe you could say a bit more about your position as opposed to an intersubjective uh, or relational psychoanalytic perspective
1: yes um uh, yes. Uh, let me first say that uh, I will credit the. Uh, uh, I mean, the relational. It's uh, also a big term, but let's uh, keep with that <laughs> right. the relational um, tradition. Uh, Mitchell, uh, Stephen Mitchell, and uh, and uh, which who was a central person. Uh, we uh, use argue a bit with him, I think, in the book. But uh, I uh, think um, the. Uh, the strength of uh, their uh, way of formulating the analytic encounter is to emphasize that uh, um, the analyst is a participant in the dialogue. I mean, that uh, some of Freud's um, uh, uh, ways of characterizing the analytic attitude uh, uh, may be, uh, he he was more of the sort of, uh, he um, underlined the observer position um uh in a way that uh, we have to modify a, a bit i uh, and we say in the book that um, right need, i need to We use the word stimulus value i don't know how that reads in english but i mm-hmm. of course me being a woman in a certain age with the uh, s- such and such uh, Characteristics and so on. I will have a different uh, stimulus value than than you or other. So I have to reflect. I have to be aware of that and be uh, open to to analyze to what uh, in what way I specifically impact on my patient. Right. At the same time, I think it's um, uh, uh, epistemologically uh, important to keep this uh, uh, this. Um, uh, Idea of our uh, of us being observers. So it is the patient's um, drama that uh, is brought into the, the the our therapy room. I mean, um, uh, with the concept of um, co creation uh, that they launch, um, uh, you uh, sort of lose. The the, the the thought uh, or the concept of uh, the patient's um, uh, patterns relational patterns and uh, character patterns and so on um, uh, I mean even if I uh, it will influence the dialogue um, uh, with my patient in, in uh, specific ways uh, and you will have another way maybe we can in my opinion we can agree on uh, potentially, be uh, in agreement uh, about characterizing how these patient patterns are. Um, right. So uh, I, uh, I attended a conference uh, some years ago where uh, there was a, the- uh, a panel of um, some of the central relational. Uh, analysts and they uh, one of them argued that with the the concept of co-creation as a consequence you lose the the concept of transference for if everything is a real interaction uh, there is no um, (laughs) there is no point from which you can observe (laughs) in a way what is repeated
0: from the patient's right. it's either either nothing or everything is transference yeah the concept loses meaning in that context yeah. right
1: yeah it, it it does yes so uh, in that that sense of subjectivity uh, it's um, uh, it's a position where you uh, uh, uh yeah you lose the 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 possibility of uh, uh, thinking of the patient's material or and of the more in a way scientific position of uh, psychoanalytic personality uh, theory i think but that's right. a different concept of intersubjectivity than that of uh, daniel stern for instance for, which speaks of intersubjectivity as a as a developmental face uh, of the of the child's uh, child's uh, interaction with his uh, parents just to say right, you know, right. the word intersubjectivity i mean it's a it's a it's a word also within developmental psychology which is a different sense of intersubjectivity than the more epistemological sense which we are speaking yeah yeah yeah.
0: yeah absolutely yeah. like you said it's a it's a big umbrella term yeah. for 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 a lot of very different very different yeah. meanings um but i think what i'd like to to focus on from what you just said i think um this This upholding of transference as a central concept also kind of leads us back to, I think, a focus you have on on the patient's history, but not in a narrow sense, not in the sense of biographical history, but more of a sense of, like you were saying before, embodied history affect mm. effective history that is played out uh, in the in the consulting room mm. and i think what i what i would like to um refer to here about the book is your differentiation between uh conflict on the one hand and deficit on the other hand as psychopathological Agents, you could say. Mm, mm. Could you talk a bit about that differentiation in your thinking?
1: Yes, that uh, is a very central uh, distinction uh, that was introduced by my colleague. Uh, it's, uh, it's. Um, uh, uh, I to honour him. <laughs> he he mm-hmm. published an article in the international journal in 1989 called "Conflict and Def- Conflict and Deficit Implications for Technique." Um, uh, where uh, the, the concept of conflict is a more, it's a, a, a sort of a more psychological, developmental psychological way of speaking about um, pathology, which is more uh, um, uh, sort of uh, in. Um, uh, in line with the psychoanalytic way of thinking than the diagnostic way. That's an alternative when you speak it's of, of, of different, like Kernberg, different levels of right. personality organization. That's uh, another way which may have its merits maybe, but uh, but uh, here you sort of focus on um, uh, its uh, deficit is uh, uh, in it's, it refers uh, actually to two um, Two aspects, Uh, there may be a deficit in the environment when we think of a child needing specific uh, kind of uh, affective interaction with his uh, caregivers, which is a central theme in all developmental research for uh, recent uh, developmental research. Uh, Affect mirroring, Peter Fonagy, his research group, I mean, the affect attunement, uh, Daniel Stern, Bowlby's concept of emotional availability, a lot of concepts uh, connoting different aspects of uh, what kinds of uh, environment uh, the, the child needs. This is very, very condensed and very short. <laughs> right, right. But uh, there may be deficits in that, which results in sort of deficits in the structuring of personality. So, um, and the, the important uh, an important implications uh, implication of, of that concept is uh, when the person is uh, structured on this more with uh, I mean it's never either or I mean all of us have, have sort of parts of us who are more in deficit and and uh, also there is also conflict so there's no either or that's an important thing to right say. but the important technical point is, uh, and which I think it's one of the um, contributions of of Björn Schilling move first, and which we um, uh, continue in our common this this book that we are talking about here, um, is uh, that uh, when the person is in this existential deficit uh, mode uh, of being. The you are he or she is not in a psychological position to profit from more interpretational kind of interventions, which is our classical psychoanalytic tool, so to say. So, the concept of affirmation, which uh, Tiring Mo also introduced and which we develop further also in the book, uh, is very central to my clinical, my analytic clinical. Thinking, uh, I will say, Um, uh, which uh, affirmation is uh, another mode of intervention, like I said, um, which refers to the affirmation uh, of the validity of the subjective feeling of the of the patient.
0: Right. I think that is that is very important. I think that is that is a point that is really like novel and and i think uh really has to be underlined here and i think for the listening audience it would be really important to hear like an first an example maybe of of how a patient who is more in a because you were saying it's not it's not uh, either or it's not either deficit or conflict, but you have you have this description of patients who are in a more deficit-based um, I don't know situation problem yeah, at yeah. the moment of coming into the consulting room. How how would you describe that? What, yeah. what 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 is what is the feeling like of being with a patient uh, who's who's who suffered from de- developmental deficits?
1: Yeah, he, he or she might be. Um, in a way, not aware that, um, uh, let's say that my patient experienced me as uh, rejecting and uh, with, a more, uh, with a patient on a more neurotic level, he will let some, uh, some part of himself be aware that this is his um, uh, projection in a way that I'm not necessarily all rejecting. So it, it, it is analyzable in a way. Uh, whereas uh, uh, whereas um, uh, a more uh, deficit level uh, patient uh, will feel that I am there's nothing to analyze in a way he's not uh, he feels that I I am rejecting in a way right. I, I mean the, the Peter Fon, guess, concept of mentalization the uh, the ability uh, it, it's um, parallel to that in a way uh, that uh, uh, there is, um, um, you can have an alliance with the patient potentially uh, about uh, sort of seeing how, uh, uh, what it was that made him, she, uh, <clears throat> him or her feel that um, uh, she felt rejected. Uh, whereas, um, uh yeah, uh, so it's it's uh, this distinction of of uh, if you can uh, the as if um, sort of aspect of your own that you can see that the, your representation of the other person is your representation right yeah, but I would, right. Think, uh, I would think I would uh, maybe it would be useful if I gave an example of what, Right Uh, affirmation uh, may uh, be, and um, I like to use um, the example that Killingmore uses when he introduces. He wrote also an article called Affirmation, also in the International Journal, 1995, I think, and there he uses um, gives an example from a, a film by Ingmar Bergman. Um, where you meet a woman who is in a hospital. She has tried to commit suicide and she's been saved and she wakes up in this uh, hospital and uh, she's in a state of turmoil, uh, inner turmoil. And uh, there is a friend, good friend, sitting at the bedside. And she is uh, sort of uh, in the same state of mind, uh, you imagine, that made her want to... To end her life, um, making her desperate, and uh, she sort of uh, talks a lot about her upbringing, her parents, and and ends in a climax saying, "Well, isn't this astonishing that grown-up people can shut a child, a lock—maybe that is the Mm word—lock a child into a wardrobe, uh, which is a trauma of Bergman, by the way? Mm -hmm. Isn't it astonishing?" And then the friend says very calmly, Yes, that is astonishing. And she, you can see in the picture in a way that she calms down. And she, uh, that is, uh, there is a, affirmation is defined as uh, that you remove a doubt. I mean, is uh, uh, and that's we know as clinicians that's how children <laughs> experience um, things. That uh, if they are punished, um, uh, I mean, that's an old uh, most parents don't do that now, but uh, I mean, previously <laughs> there was a kind of punishment when you said you had to be locked up in your room to get to, until you calm down or uh. Things like that, and uh, of course, very uh, potentially traumatic, I would say. But um, uh, children uh, will feel well when something can someone can do something like that to me. It must be something with me. There is a doubt. Right. There is a doubt in you, uh, which is uh, a kind of existential doubt, and uh, and um, yeah, so. Uh, the, the the affirmative uh, comment or intervention removes that doubt. Stays well, grown-up people shouldn't do that. That's the implication. Right. So the, um, it's a statement about reality in a way uh, about what is what, <laughs> which is a very different approach than the interpretation where you uh, interpret something more unconscious. Uh, People's own share in uh, in the situation. Here, you just affirm uh, affirm uh, uh, the validity of of the experience, which and the cons- uh, the result or the the the, um, the consequence or the uh, um, of the affirmative uh, intervention is that the, the person feel, feels. That he's seen, he's, he's understood, he, he's uh, legitimate, le, his response is uh, legitimate, accepted.
0: Right, right. So and I think it's really important to point out that in in the book, you also give example. like all throughout the book, are examples of, of situations with patients, with analysis. Yeah. I think that's a really strong point of the book. Yeah, thank and uh, and a, the part. Of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And 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 especially in the chapter of affirmation, I think it really comes out that this is not a blunt intervention. This is not something that, you know, you just tell the patient, yeah, what you feel is valid. But you you say, for example, also you give an example where silence mm. can be can can be an affirmation, right? Just mm. listening to to an experience for the first, like, or having an experience listened to for the first time can be very affirming. Mm. And I think that's a really important point. This is not, you know, not just telling the patient, yeah, what you feel is valid, but, but just being in the uh, moment with the patient.
1: Yeah, that's important. Uh,
0: I would, I would like um, to focus a bit more because you were talking about, the aims of the affirmative interventions as having the patient or removing doubt from the patient's experience. Uh, I think another thread running through the book is kind of its allegiance or your allegiance to kind of an enlightenment view of the individual right because there, there are all these points in which you point out that you know actually the aim of analysis is to make possible the highest the highest possible degree of autonomy for the individual
1: mm.
0: is that something you would you would ascribe to
1: yes <laughs> it's interesting that you emphasize that my doctoral thesis, which was written in Norwegian by way back, <laughs> was <laughs> on the concept of autonomy. Uh, so uh, yes, that's been uh, important, I, and I think that's implied in the in the in, in the classical psycholytic uh, thinking, which we um, a point, which we uh, will emphasize that uh, our the, the aim of the of the treatment is uh, to uh, help the, the, the patient uh, to um, gain more agency. and there is a more more a concept that has been con- become popular and more autonomous. Uh, right. Yes. Which is uh, and uh, of course it's it's um, important to to define what you mean by autonomy. I mean it's not. In uh, being autonomous uh, is not in opposition to being, uh, to feeling attached, um, right to, to other people or, or, or even dependent on uh, your partner. Uh, that's uh, these are words that are often uh, put as um, uh, opposites, uh, uh and, uh, uh, which are uh, yeah, so it's important to to, to uh, define it in the right sense that uh, it means the ability to to sort of uh, uh, feel that you are an agent in your own life, to if you can put it that way,
0: <laughs> right, and, right, uh,
1: to yeah, to feel free. Freedom is a, a very uh, <laughs> it's a. It's, in a way, in a simple word and a very profound word also to feel free to, I can say to my patient when he or she tells me that, uh, oh, I was so, oh, I did so and so, and, uh, and when he said, and I said, and uh, can not comment, well, it seems that... Uh, you felt very un, unfree that uh, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if you say that in english but i mean the freedom to be open to be direct to be uh, to speak directly to the persons that are close to you and uh, without too much um, uh, uh yeah you, you, we use you I noticed that um, in the when you you, you you quote uh, you quoted uh, our way of describing down list the word simplicity right It was there and uh, simplicity is uh it's a good word <laughs>
0: to yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah
0: and I think I think I think uh, this this kind of um, brings brings us back to to the part of um you know well, f- freedom, freedom in expression as well, right? I mean, the f- freedom to free associate is something that is that is very central to to the endeavor, and sometimes, um, this has to develop in the consulting room. Yeah. Um, and one thing that that I found really interesting in the book is that uh, you talk about the Rorschach test. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A few times, the, how how you use it, and I think this is this is actually part of it, right? You kind of test the analysis, the patient's degree of freedom yeah. in describing the images, mm-hmm. and I thought that was really interesting. I I'm not familiar that, uh, with the Rorschach that much, but but I th- I found the way that you use it really really interesting mm-hmm. in in that sense, in in kind of um testing the level of ego functioning in the sense of how free is a patient to talk about the experience of looking at this image
1: mm, mm, mm. yes R- Rorschach is a marvelous method I mean it's a, it's a strong tradition within psychoanalysis uh, the, the, with Roy Schaefer uh, among other people who use the use of Rorschach in, um, in this uh, specific uh, psychoanalytic uh, tradition of uh, seeing is uh, it's a projective situation that's the right analogy to the psycholytic situation which is also a projective situation where there is no you're told to as you say to say whatever comes to mind in a way it's no structure and the way the person chooses to structure the city what he chooses to say not to say uh, that's um uh, what you what uh, you study in the in the Rorschach. Björn Schilling was right. a master of uh, interpreting Rorschach. It was really it, it's a kind of art, <laughs> too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it's a method that um, tests, uh, where you uh, you capture the underlying uh, organisational uh the, the way the person organizes uh, his perception, his thinking, uh, and uh, also the unconscious mind projected right. into the into the uh, images that are unstructured, as you say.
0: right I I was wondering like just to bring the conversation back to the deficit conflict differentiation because, I was wondering and this is sort of a more a broader question. I was wondering if in the description of a patient coming in with a more deficit-based psychopathology the description will will jump out at every cl- uh, cl- clinician right away because we see these patients right patients who are very repetitive mm. in Stating their problems, right. their needs, right? This is very mm. um, something that needs satisfaction, right. sort of in a yeah, way. Sorry, it's um, in
1: in yeah, hmm.
0: and 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 also also the view of themselves as victims mm. yeah. quite yeah. often it's important. And and I was wondering if there isn't a subtext here in the book of cultural criticism. Mm. Because what we're confronted with in the culture, not just in the consulting room, but in the culture, are a, a whole number of people from all different walks of life stating, I am a victim. Yeah. And I think a big part of your technique is to to turn the passive into the active yeah. um, in, in treatment, right? Saying, okay, maybe maybe my biography has something to do with me. And I think in that it, there's cultural criticism. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yeah, I'm glad you point out that, emphasize that, uh, because I think it's uh, it's very central <laughs> to our thinking, to my thinking, that uh, mm-hmm. what you can do to help people is to, to help them uh, sort of realize their own share, I mean, uh, in uh, their relational problems, say. I mean, you usually you can't change other people so um, um uh, i i comment on that every session i would say <laughs> people <laughs> right people are saying well he's uh, uh oh he's uh, he says if uh, he speaks of your husband he he says i shall do so and so and uh, so yeah he is so he so you let him decide. You let him get a hold on you. I mean, uh, you point to the the own your own chair. That's um, helping people uh, to increase their own agency. I mean, uh, right. And even if people were victims, can, you can say that the child may be victim, or you may be victim of, of something. But what you deal with in um, in uh, psychoanalytic therapy is uh, the way the person has constructed, organized what has happened to them.
0: Right. Well, Siri, we have been talking for the duration of a psychoanalytic hour, uh, and uh, and I think it's time to to bring this to a close. Uh, I would like to thank you very much for talking with me today, and I think uh, this conversation will be of real interest to our audience. Um, just before we end, um, maybe you'd like to tell us what you're working on at the moment, and if if we can expect uh, maybe another book or or what kind of papers are you working on at the moment?
1: Yeah, um, my most recent article was um, uh, an article I called "The Otherness of Sexuality," uh, right. and uh, the exploring the uh, conflicted nature of drive and uh, object choice (laughs) so that Mm -hmm. has been uh, uh, an issue which I uh, used to work with when I was younger and which has uh, come back to me so now I'm working on a a book in Norwegian (laughs) on on this uh, inherent uh, conflicted nature in us between on the one side, uh, the, uh, the drive—I mean, the passion, uh, the seeking for for um, lust and uh, excitement—and uh, the other uh, need, uh, fundamental need for for attachment and uh, and something familiar, which we call a base or a home. <laughs> and right. also in my clinical practice and uh, I mean in life, you see a lot of people struggle with sort of uniting the two uh, needs (laughs) so that's my my most recent project yes
0: oh this should be really interesting i hope i hope it gets translated to english so we can (laughs) have another another conversation that'd be really nice okay well thank you very much siri and uh, for
1: asking me to come Mm -hmm.
0: Sure, sure. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, maybe we'll get to talk again some other time. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.